You are listening to the podcast that's basically a book club. Welcome to the Book Leggers. We're back. We finished a great book. Owl bears are fucking real, and I need a goddamn beer. That's pretty fucking good. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast that's basically a book club. I'm your host, Jake. And your lesser host, Joel. <laughs> Today we are diving right back into Kings of the Wild. And as we conclude our second episode, Two Guys, One Band, we got a lot of ground to cover. Yeah, we do. Yeah, so a lot has happened. So much so uh, that I'm a little worried we might leave a couple things out. We we probably are, but, you know, it's okay. That's all right. It's okay. They, it's, it's, okay. it's incentive to read the book, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We can't do all the reading for you. Exactly. Learn to read. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so we ended up going from the Maxathon, which we totally called the Maxilothon or something like that. Yeah, it's fine. They got the point. Back to Calarec, to the Heartwild, all the way to Conthas, and then somehow we took a side stop to our version of Atlantis. Just real and, quick, though. Just yeah, real just, quick. Just real quick. But before we get into what happened, Joel, what are you drinking? I am drinking. This is called. I've never had this before, listeners. This is, this is new for me. So if I make a gross noise, just kind of go with it. Uh, this is called Spaceways Hazy Nelson IPA by Modern Times Brewing Company. And they Ooh. are big on the fact that they are an employee-owned beer company. Oh, that's like my company, except they don't do beer. They do environmental stuff. Yeah, let me let me just read you this. Here we go. Read, read me the read, read to me. This delectable hazy IPA is packed to the brim with mountains of Nelson, Matuka, and Sim, <laughs> Simico hops, and fermented with one in three yeast, yielding a brilliant profile, replete with mango, nectarine, and bright lime zest character. Prepare your flavor receptacles for an astonishing thrill ride through a garden of tropical delights. <laughs> wow, uh, my uh, beer! Oh, you did, you nailed that, by the way. Mm-hmm. That one was much better than the Ukrainian uh, <laughs> machine gun going off. <laughs> um, I am drinking the Wake Wake Up Up by the Vale Brewing Company. <laughs> One of my favorite brewing companies in Richmond. And uh, we, I totally have to take you there whenever we finally go. That uh, this, this, that sounds just, like some sort of bullshit spell that Moog would come up with. <laughs> pretty much. Wake, wake all, up, up. all their beers are weirdly named. I think it's what they're known for. Like one was, what was one? Shit. One was like the Lamborghini Lamborghini Fast Fast. <laughs> and they're all they're all weird. So I, I tend to like that stuff. So this is a double dry hop, double Indian pale ale. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so <laughs> I apologize <laughs> at the end of the episode for any slurred words. Gonna be yeah. Gotta love an India pale ale. Anyway, let me try this. Oh yeah, let me, let me. Oh, oh, that, was, that was good. That was clean too. Oh, that was good. That was good. Mm. Yeah, that tastes um, amazing. Yeah, it's I love the their beers. I love the Vale Brewing Company. It's the only brewing company I've ever been to that I've wanted to actually purchase the clothing. Ooh, if that makes a, any that's sense. A, that's a yes. That is very high praise, actually. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm their still a little good enough that you would wrap their clothing. 
Yes. Now, why I don't is because I normally end up buying a four-pack to go. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, all right. So let's get back right into Kings of the Wild. We left off at the Maxathon. They were battling the Chimera. We can really get into that, but I do have to say a comment first before, yeah, we, yeah. before we jump into that. Yeah, yeah. I know part one, I said that world building took a back seat, but yeah, um, uh, that got, we got kind of killed we right We got kind of fucked right there, didn't we? Yeah, because this book totally has a ton of world building and like growth in general. Yeah. And... The Heart Wild, when we get to that part, that felt like it was like its own trilogy. Yes. Like, I think authors dream of creating an environment like that. Yeah. And this guy did it in like 10-ish chapters. Yeah, which is pretty wild. I mean, we went from cannibals and acidic swamps to mountains and giants to ice valleys and rasks. Yep. Which I still don't really know what these are. (laughs) You know, I just, I like to envision a little troll. I think they're just like, I, I was thinking trolls. like Trundle from Evidently. League of Legends. Exactly. Yeah, but I hope we like don't get Mohawk. like copyrighted on that shit. Because uh, no, I feel like Riot would be Riot. pricks enough to do that. But Fucking yeah. Billion dollar company. Don't sue us. Please you sue us. You can get like 25 cents out of each of us. Not even, dude. Not worth your time. <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, hats off to, to good old, good old Nick. Because. It was also overstepped by something else, and I think we both have a great, pretty big appreciation for this. Uh, we have to mention that even in a fantasy novel where the characters shine really fucking hard, they're very unique. You know, I don't think we're going to see characters exactly like this for a minute. The weapons are oh still cool as fuck. Oh. Like, I would love to have Ganelon's axe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And another part of this book where I fucking laughed out loud in a very serious moment was our boy Moog's twinning staff. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that one of his few... At first it just sounds like like holy shit, like that's actually going to be useful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's like pulverizing people. <laughs> and then Clay's like but like all of his weapons <laughs> It has a tendency to come back after the caster <laughs> until there's it runs out of magic. Oh god! And meanwhile, we're at the we're at, the twinning staff doesn't come out till the end, until the final battle. Yep. And it's I laughed, I laughed. It was a very serious moment, and I I laughed out loud. I literally had to like I literally put the book down because I needed like, a minute. When uh when I read that part, I was just envisioning Moog like the initial invention of that staff. Of like, you know, okay, he like enchanted it and he made it fight other things. And he's like, oh, like this thing's dope. And then it ran out of other things to fight. And then it just sort of just beat right shit back out. to him. <laughs> like a boomerang. <laughs> and the way that I envisioned it too, and maybe this is like, it got real cartoony, but it was like the staff was bigger than him and just like kind of oh, yeah. taking him around everywhere. Yes. And then he's got to fight it. <laughs> and then that whole time he has all those explosives. On. Anyway, we're getting to yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I have in here, you know, I would love to have the axe. And I then was like, well, what weapon would Joel want? And then I have Ooh. in parentheses, let's be honest, it's one of the swords. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's Velikor. It's on Yeah, Velikor. I think the way that Velikor starts to have its own personality by the end of this novel yep. is insanely cool. But I will say the, um, I can't remember its name, but the uh, the scythe that Shadow has. Oh, Umbra. 
Umbra. I read all the weapons. Umbra. Yeah, Umbra sounded pretty cool. Oh, yeah, like Edgelord B, six, 16, <sighs> was all about that. Mm-hmm. I would have been hella about that. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we need to kind of come out with before we do the rundown is I know on the last episode I said that I didn't like the chapter rundown format. Mm-hmm. After listening and editing a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, I'm back on board again. Hey. <laughs> so let's go. Let's go, baby. So chapter 23, we left off with the band versus the chimera. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I had mixed feelings about this chapter. I realized looking back that it's basically showing off Ganelon. Oh, yeah. However, yeah. I did feel like it was a little rushed. Uh, I felt like it was a little rushed, but I do think it served like the important purpose because like this is really the first time we we've seen the band fight like actually fight as a as a unit together. Um, yes, and and Gabe starts leading them, and they start following. Right, and even though even though good old Matrix electrocutes himself, Matrix yeah. fucking wheezing over on the sand. <laughs> yeah, it gets fucking paralyzed. Same with Gabe, same same with Clay. Clay. And then Ganelon, Ganelon basically is, beats a giant chimera. Is ripping spikes out of the thing's neck just to while it's stab in him air. with it. Yeah, yes. while it's in air. And, yeah. yeah. But I do like to say that I do find it funny how these fights either get totally shut down or get totally ran wild. Because of our boy Moog, because mm-hmm. everything was going great until it then electrocuted himself. Yep. They were like, they were like, "Oh, we're totally going to do this. This is going to be fine." And it's just like so perfect because like the Moog is just like so fucking confident after he's like, "Watch this, <laughs> watch this," <laughs> and then like every time he says something like that, everyone's like, "Ah, fuck." Yep. Ugh. It kind of reminded me of like us doing something stupid in a video game. Like exactly, like, time to try this out. This is totally going to work. Yep. <sighs> I definitely thought the Chimera was really cool, and I know we talked about it in the last episode. But we did like how it sort of met our heroes, and how it was lastly like basically coming in and starting to challenge the saga, saga the band, mm-hmm. and and sort of meet them on their their turf. I did think the Gorgon was going to have like a much bigger role than just she, getting smushed by a dead chimera. Yes. <laughs> so that kind of killed the whole thing of Matrick having a hard on for her. I thought that was going to kind of continue for a little bit. <laughs> Obviously, you can't really take that type of weight of a chimera, which I'm assuming is just a massive fucking thing. Right. Something which. I'll point out here because it it didn't end up being right. But something I wrote in my notes at this part was I was kind of hoping that um, this was going to be some foreshadowing where, you know, kind of the the downfall of the the Dominion was that they were just breeding all these, you know, terrible monsters Uh, and using them forever for whatever. And now humans are starting to do that where they're not. Well, they are breeding them to fight them. And I kind of wanted to see that. Play out. foreshadow right into play out into like them having to deal with that but i mean obviously like, it didn't need it I, and thinking about it now talking about it out loud i think that would have added he would have had to add a lot of extra stuff to the book to like make that a, a legitimate theme 
you know. Yeah, but also you're also not wrong. I wouldn't just can't credit that because you know when we're in the final fight. You know, Clay realizes and starts to see how you know the hordes of the wild didn't used to be this diverse. They didn't used to be this scary. This that's true. And it's because people were battling in the uh, in the theaters. They weren't bringing the monsters. They weren't going out and killing them in their sleep. Mm-hmm. Whatever they had to do. And so I think you're not wrong. I just think it uh, got brought up in a different way. That's true. That's a good point. And the other thing I was upset about the end of the the Maxathon thing, I really wanted them to save um, the cold the cobalt wife. I can't remember her oh, name yeah. or its name. It but kind I, of, I wanted that to come back up. That yeah, because it kind of showed that like Gabe really cares about people, right? And regardless it, of what you are, exactly. Like, and it even it even happens, you know, later when they're in the Heart Wild when he, they run. I forget what they ran into, but like the insect man. Mm-hmm. And he tried not killing him, right? But actually, they have to. Insect man was a dick. Yeah. So it's pretty much like this was like the first not disappointing chapter, but I just thought there could have been a lot more. Yeah. However, it was few. This is probably like our. I think my only instance where I was like, "Damn it!" Yeah. I mean, this that was really, really my only critique yeah. that I have for a while. Yeah, pretty much. And not that I'm one to, to do critiques, but I did think that there was like wasted potential right off the bat from chapter 23. Yeah. However, it does kind of get really better in two chapters. Mm-hmm. But so we end this chapter with Saga getting picked up by Vanguard. Mm-hmm. And Vanguard is is Ash, TMX, Piglet, and Barrett. Fucking Piglet. I know. And I, I wrote down here that they're just basically as colorful a ca- cast as Saga. Yeah. Uh, except their bard is still the same bard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what this made me think was how, like, because, I mean, it seems like, you know, they, they never really talk about how prestigious Vanguard was. But, I mean, they have their own skyship. And, I mean, obviously, they, they seem to be doing very well. But, like, even... The, the band that's been together at this point longer than that saga has, like they never broke apart, have their own skyship. They're just kind of doing what they want, you know, seem to be living the high life. Like even they hold saga in like such high revere. Yes. And that it, it's kind of, it's pretty apparent. Yeah. And I think that that was cool because without those little, cause they're like little subtle things like that, but without those, you wouldn't recognize that saga is actually capable of doing the shit that they're doing. <laughs> yeah. They they are bumbling around into greatness, but they're naturally talented when they're all together. And then the other thing about this chapter is we start to learn more about our boy Matrick and how close he is to Moog. Moog, yeah. That, Cause this that is didn't, where, didn't really go well. Yeah, because this is where he learns out about the rod and mm-hmm. freaks out, and then freaks out in like a really good way, like I don't know, like a really friendly way, where it's like you will find the cure, you little motherfucker, like right. <laughs> like you will not die on me because I care that yourself. much, right? <laughs> yeah, no, and I will say that it's been delivered very well, mm-hmm. and also like I just love Piglet, just love Piglet, him. yeah, Piglet, and my boy, my favorite scene is with piglet actually is in the, in the back of the book and it's, we'll get into it when it happens. Yeah. 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 But, um, the spoiler alert, it's when Ganleon looks at him. Ganelon. <laughs> <laughs> Throw him off the ship. <laughs> Be 
you get rid of the excess weight? Just looks at him. He's just like, no. <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> but yeah, truthfully, a lot happened in Chapter 24 with like mm-hmm. the character building. But I did have one of my favorite lines from not the main cast. And that was when Barrett was talking about Clay's wife. It was like, tits like that are worth settling down for. Fucking right. And Clay's just like taking it like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. You know, that's I, I did it. They're my, those are my tits. Yeah, giving them a shrug. But chapter 25, I think this one made up for the Camara fight and immediately took everything I had to say. 100%. And like the other uh, thing about about Ames and how just how good of a writer he is. I mean, this is I don't know about you. This is my first book that I've read that he's written. Same, yeah. Like the fact that he can just introduce. Like we really hadn't ever heard of Vanguard before this chapter, and he just introduces them and all of the characters, all, all of of Vanguard's band. They're so dynamic, and so like you you kind of already feel like you know them. Yeah, when, but they're also like inherently different than saga right. even though they still are like the rough and tough but they're still they're different you know right. they're different character trope mm-hmm. and there's like that diversity with like tmx being like a spider-man ash sort of being like a, a boss ass bitch mm-hmm. um you know it makes it so that there's like comparison that the, you can have it like multiple different ways to right. be like a great band which i think you know he brings that kind of full circle not that that's like really important to like the actual story, but Jane and her silk arrows end up becoming like pretty, pretty cool. And Mm -hmm. just kind of showing that there's different ways to be an effective band. And then, so yeah, so I guess before I get into chapter 25, we got to really highlight. So Vanguard and Saga are like, ah, we need Velcor. Like we need to go back Mm -hmm. to Calyrex. And I just thought it was so funny where, where Clay was like, they walked five abreast. Harbingers of their dark intent. Oh, God damn it. Reaching like fingers that would soon become a fist. And then it's like, at least until the wizard trips on the head <laughs> of this robe. Because, <laughs> um, like, he builds it up. He's like, among them is a renegade king, he who sired five royal heirs without ever unzipping his pants. A man to his time has imparted great wisdom and an even greater waistline. At his shoulders walks the sorcerer, a cosmic conversationalist, enemy of the incurable rot. Absent chairman of a combustive science at the University of Oxford, and the only living soul at the age of eight to believe in owl bears. <laughs> and then they're like, Ganelon, warrior born, a sign of power and poverty, shattered shackles and murder monarchs, the gentle giant, he who fights his battle with a shield, stout as the tree. And then, you know, and then he goes into Gabe. He's the candle burnt down to the stump. The cutting blade grows tall <laughs> without for use. But see now the spark in his stride. Behold the glint of steel in his gaze. Who dares to stand between a man such as this? He will kill and... if he must to protect it. And then... <laughs> Moog trips. <laughs> fucking trips. Moog fucking trips. Like, I feel and... like I got punked, but like in a good way, because... Yeah, it was like, like a pregame speech almost. I, I know. Like, I was like, okay, like this book's like starting to get serious. Like we're we're like, already okay, the fuck shit up. Yeah, and and then Moog. And, and yeah. then because that happens, it makes sense that Moog would somehow weaponize avocados, <laughs> which was his main <laughs> weapon in this fight. <laughs> oh, God damn it! I mean, like who would who would have thought 
just pulling from the sack. It also was really cool because obviously they beat the shit out of everybody. Matrick is working his blades like um, he's a fine dancer. Mm-hmm. Galan is just absolutely wrecking shit. Of course. And our characters get a bunch of new weapons. Oh. And I think notable mention by far is Moog's hat, the endless food dispenser. And the fucking bee horn. Mm-hmm. Insect horn, which I really didn't know how that was going to come back in. I surprise, surprise. Uh, yeah, I forgot about it too. And we made it all the way to basically effective the end. Effective against dragons. Very Noted. effective against dragons. And then we got we got war skin. We have raised the frozen hammer that Clay has. Mm-hmm. Matric. Oh yeah, and then when Matric um got the horn, what M- Moog was advising him on the use of alchemy. <laughs> and Clay was like, "Oh my God, we're got we're getting old." <laughs> and then this this kind of like so we, we we go from like this really high high, you know, like they've gotten all their equipment, their gear. I mean. They basically keep all this gear for the remainder of the book for the most part. And then we kind of realized, uh, and I wrote, you know, I was like, oh, this chapter was sad. Because chapter 26 was, well, it was sad and good. Because this is where we learn how, like, bad Gabe's wife really is. You know, mm-hmm. she doesn't even really, like, barely remember the Anything. first meeting. Yeah. And Calorek is basically just kind of, like, exploiting her. Mm-hmm. And this chapter also is very important and very fun because we get our first introduction to one of the new characters that will be joining our cast. My that's Kit, boy, Kit. The unkillable. Fucking right. And he's a zombie, but don't call him that. He's he not a zombie. Revenant. He's a revenant or a ghoul. And now Saga, the band that always seems to kill their bards, has an unkillable bard. And, and also it was hilarious when, sorry not to cut you off, but when Kit was like, our candy is Moog, my boy. <laughs> no, it's like they just like walk onto the sex barge. Yeah, the Calyrex been hiding. And they just see this weird looking, shriveled up zombie looking guy. And wearing a curtain or a sheet. A no, it was curtain. a sheet. Yeah, wearing and he's a sheet. Like, just hold it. Like, give me like five minutes and like, I'll leave. And then he's like, wait, <laughs> wait, Moog? Like, of Moog? course. That like, you of bro? course. Yeah. <laughs> That you of course like, they know oh each other. Oh my god, Kit! God, I love Moog. So once we get the Skyship, the band now has their bard. You know, they go to get supplies. It is funny because Gabe's like, we can't de- depend on the hat. Like, the hat <laughs> will fail us. And mm-hmm. so he's like the only one that's like, we need fucking food. food. And we need Moog's real just food. Like, passing out turkeys and shit. <laughs> We're taking dinner. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, what do you want? I got it. I think this chapter really starts the final arc in a way. Not that I feel like there's many arcs that happen from here to the end of the book, but this really propels us to it because this is where Lilith, who is hunting Matrick, hires Larkspur. Larkspur. She is a bounty hunter that is a Deva or a Diva. I don't know how to say Deva, that word. Deva. Did you, Deva? Yeah, mm-hmm. audiobook nerd. That's right. And she's real badass. But before that, this was also like really cool because this is where we meet Jane and the Silk Arrows again. And they're like, oh my God, Clay Cooper, you inspired us, man. We're a real band now, man. <laughs> and they get to meet Ganelon for the first time. And I don't know. I really like that. Cause like to me, Ganelon, obviously he was just kind of like munching silently. Like, yeah, that's me. What up? Mm-hmm. But I feel like Clay and Jane, like really, they have like kind of like a father daughter relationship. Yes. And like if 
Clay's daughter was going to be, you know, like him, I think he would want it to be like Jane. I just love how Jane just keeps showing up. Without any reason, really. She's just kind of like, Clay Cooper, what up? Hey. <laughs> Let me walk out of this bush. <laughs> I'm going to rob you again. Just kidding. I just really like, she's like, let me, you know, come sit down. Like, we'll buy you a beer. And, like, Clay just has, like, this internal thought of, yeah, you know, you've robbed us twice. You've taken two weeks of sandwiches, all my socks, all of our yeah, all food, my socks. a whole bunch of jewelry, some swords. Yeah, I think she deserved, like, I, she, she should give me a beer. Yeah, my favorite is the fact that he's so pissed about the socks. Yeah, I mean, listen. I mean, can socks you imagine, are vital. Can you imagine walking as far as they've walked and done all that they've done without socks? No. That would suck. So then, I know I said that I only really had one complaint about a fight. Larkspur, this is where, you know, she's trying to get, <laughs> she's trying to find Matrick. Everybody's like, ah, oh, we don't know him. And then they're like talking about his accomplices. Like Clay Cooper, Ganelon, and she's like, Arcandius Moog. And he's like, oh, that's me. What up? Waving his hand <laughs> in the doorway. Clay and Ganelon are trying to figure out like how they're going to like actually fight, the back get door away. or fight them. And then he's yeah. like, present. What up? That's me, dog. Oh, uh, God. But the reason why I didn't like it is because like I thought it was going to be a really dope fight because like Ganelon, who just killed a chimera, chimera, yep. is now sort of being beaten by Larkspur. Not oh he got bitched. Yeah Larkspur, he did. Larkspur's daddy. Yeah, but he liked it. Oh yeah, yeah. Foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, he loved it. Yeah. He loved it. Yet again another cool fight, but Moog's laughing gas made it just hilarious. <laughs> uh and I love the fact that it's called Jackal's Jest and just has him laughing like hyenas. And like I love the fact that like Moog never explains any of the bullshit that he's doing. Like when he like throws the bomb, like he just like winks at Clay. And he's just like, yep. Time to let it go. Just, yep. Just give it a second. It's like, you know what would be really great right now? If I threw this. <laughs> this will help. This stick will help. Turns all swords into sticks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But so then we kind of get into like some, some backstory chapters, you know. Not, not necessarily backstory, but they just kind of further the plot along. We start to begin the journey into the Heart Wild, and they really list like all the fucking reasons why you do not take your skyship in above the Heart Wild. And when this is happening, I think one of the funniest things to me was that Matrick was too drunk to drive the ship. Yep. And that our boy Calorek just starts talking mad shit. Oh, yeah. Clay gets really pissed. You don't talk it's about a like, man's child. Oh, yeah. Well, first off, he talks shit about Moog's tower. He's like, hey, Moog, you know what's left of your shitty little tower? Nothing. Just rubble and ruin. I burned all your books and I killed all your stupid animals. I even ate one of the bastards. You know what's a delicious? Tiny elephant. That's right. I ate your tiny fucking elephant. Moog. Did you hear me? You got nothing but the clothes on your back, you pillow-biting little rat. Which I think was like an anti-gay thing, but whatever. Fuck that. Yeah, guy. probably. And Clay's like, careful. Yeah. And then he's like, and, and you, slow hand. He's like, don't. I'll burn your whole world away. You think Coverdale has a centaur problem? It'll have, it'll have a raise to the fucking ground problem. And Clay gets so pissed that he just drops him over the railing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, to be honest, I didn't know what Calorek was expecting. Yeah, you know, you're tied up. And, and like you're on a, sh- a skyship full like, of people yeah, that hate you. Yeah, you're going to have to walk through the heart wild, but that's much better than... um. 
I don't know. Plummeting to your death. Airdropped from the fucking skyship. Yeah. So, anyway, I was glad to be rid of Calorek. He was nothing but a problem. What a dick. He was a dick. He was a shithead. And he definitely needed to go. <laughs> so I was glad when I got rid of him. I was like, if I have to listen to this dude fucking the, the whole time complaining and like talking shit, I was like, because I didn't find it funny. Nor did I like how he was talking shit about our boy Moog and got a little defensive, I guess. I, I love how, like, after, you know, Clay does it and everyone's like, yeah, like, every, like Moog's like, hey, good job, man. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, oh, thank God. I was going to do it myself. So <laughs> Someone you just had to do it. Yeah. No, I think that was hilarious because mm-hmm. literally everyone's like, eh. <laughs> fuck him. So we're sailing in our skyship. <laughs> Things are going pretty all right. And this is where Larkspur becomes a big pain in the fucking ass. Yeah. But I did think the whole Dark Star Dreadnought ship was pretty fucking cool. It, in my mind, it was like very menacing. You know, it had all those tidal engines. I'm sure they made like Star Wars sounds. It was fucking cool. <laughs> Star Wars sounds. You know, it did. You know, it was like, <laughs> probably cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it also, you know, it shows how powerful she is, too. You know, she has this huge ship. She is a winged diva, diva, whatever the fuck it's called. Mm. I mispronounce one thing every episode, so whatever. That's fine. Yeah. You know, she's very good at persuading people. It's her natural charm. And she is, at the end of it all, an interesting character. Yeah. And so the fight's happening. The red, <laughs> the suicidal red monks. Yes. Are no dive bombing into the ship. Some of them are missing. Um, most of them are getting knocked off by Ganelon. This whole fight's happening, and for the first time, I thought we had like a really fleshed-out fight. Mm-hmm. As far as the battle goes, it doesn't go well. Matrick gets... Captured. Captured. Thank yeah, you. There you go. Yeah, buddy. I'm, with I'm the here. Assist. Tanya, it's this double... <laughs> I know, it's already, it's already hitting you, Double dog. India Pale Ale. She starts leaving the ship, their ship, the Pleasure Barge, uh, and gets struck by fucking lightning. One thing, real quick. I thought so. What this is chapter twenty or yeah, twenty eight at this point, right? I, I think that well, we we've twenty eight, twenty nine, something like there. We've gotten like thirty or thirty. We're, we're talking, we're talking like twenty eight to thirty. Uh, and I was just thinking, you know, so up to this point, up to like chapter thirty, obviously Clay's nickname, he's known as Clay Slowhand Cooper, yes. and I've just been thinking that like every single fight that they've gotten in, like he has not shown any sign of being slow hand, right? Like for the most part, he's never really, he doesn't get hit first. You know, he, he is like, he, he proves himself to be a pretty good fighter. Uh, and, and it was in this chapter when I'm like, Oh, now I get why he's slow hand. Cause (laughs) the one monk that he fights just beats the shit out of him. Yeah. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he hit him with Wraith between the testicles. Oh, God, yeah. At least yeah. he said sorry. He did say sorry, but then he oh. hit him again. And I like how like that guy kept getting brought up. They're like, the guy with no testicles was <laughs> moaning in the corner. <laughs> oh. oh, but before this, we do have to talk about... So, <laughs> Moog got into the library and was reading a book. These are just things that I thought were hilarious. Uh, reading a book called Unicorns, Beware the Horn. <laughs> and also, Kent's preferred instrument is a batingting. Which is some, like, 
ancient weapon. Ancient six I mean, thousand no. string. Yeah. Thing. And it apparently sounds amazing, but it's still called the Bating Ting. The Bating Ting. Those were some highlights on the funnier side. But he snuck that in while we were having all these serious things happening. So, I mean, that was pretty. I and think that was well done. That's what well I love done. about it. Yeah, well played, that's, what, that's what I love about GG. <laughs> Easy game. Um, that's what I love about his writing style is you have like these like these super serious fights where you're like, oh shit, is Maddie going to get taken? Is Clay going to die? Is Moog going to crash the ship? Yeah. You know, all these things. And then you just, yeah, you just have Kit in this fucking bating team. <laughs> Wearing a corner, wearing a sheet, still wearing a sheet, (laughs) still wearing the sheet. I think he wears the sheet for like the majority of the fucking book. Oh, and then this is where it's funny because they get to the ground. You know, Gabe's like, you know, worried. They're all worried about Matrick. They're gonna go find him regardless, even though they think he's dead. And then Moog's just like, oh, he's that way. Well, this is after Moog did like some magic (laughs) that didn't work. Scries. He like pulls out this thing. Yeah, and I love how like he. It's like ah, oh, I shouldn't have bought this. This doesn't work. This is rubbish. I even love how he's like, well, it kind of looks like that thing that Ganelon broke. Oh yeah, so. the, yeah. Well, I think it was Gabe, didn't Gabe break? Oh, it? sorry, Gabe, pissed. Gabe, yeah, yeah Gabe broke. Too many G names. He beat the shit out of it and threw it in the river. Yeah, and it was like a smaller version of that. And then he's just like, ah, it doesn't work. And then he's like, well, he's that way. And they were all like, how you know? And he was like, because that's where he fell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love Moog. Yeah, our boy Moog is hilarious. And then this is also where we learned a bunch of important kind of backstory for Ganelon. We learned that he was present while he was a stone, bro, the whole time. That, like, that Pretty is sad. terrifying. I mean, I I couldn't even imagine. I would no. be. And it kind of makes sense at the back of the book because I don't know how you'd be like technically sane. After doing that, like, know, can you but... imagine, like, because, like, he said he was like he was there, but he wasn't. So I don't know. That's right. just got to be wild. I would be. It, I'd be it, like, God, get me the fuck out of there. Never I again. would be insane. Yeah, I and I totally honestly thought insane. at this point, I thought this was going to be. Um, this was some foreshadowing because my note was, "How is Ganelon not insane?" Yes. And so I thought at some point later in the book that he was going to like snap and just do do something insane. But yeah, I, I thought so too. But every chapter we got we progressed more and more. I started being like, I guess he's just that fucking dude. I mean, yeah, he is that dude. Because I mean it's in this chapter too where what because Maddie is with uh Gabe and Moog and it's just playing Ganelon together and they're walking and this giant fucking warg oh, yeah, walks up behind Clay Duke, Duke. and <laughs> No, not that guy. The, oh god, Duke. That's later. Uh, remember the giant wolf and then Ganelon just gets in its face and fucking growls oh, yeah, at it and it runs away. It. Yes. No, I, yeah, my bad. Little Got a little too ahead of myself. No, and then just ran away. Yep. Yeah, I, but that's probably a little bit of being insane, but it sounds like he would have done that before he was stoned too, though. Yeah, that sounds like a completely normal thing that Ganelon would have done, regardless of his status as <laughs> being a rock or not. God, he's like a very for, for a guy that doesn't have that many lines, he's very complex. Yes. Even though he just murders a lot of things. Yeah, but, you know, it, it seems like he, for the most part, he, like, murders with purpose, right? Because even the yeah. you know, the whole reason that he got turned to, t- turned to stone was because that douchebag of a prince, like, raped a girl that he cared about. And so what does he do? He slaughtered. He got even. Everybody. 
And so then we finally find this. This is a great tie-in because we finally find Larkspur and Matrick, and <laughs> this is where we meet our boy, the Weech Doctor, my Dino. man, my man. And Gandalon just immediately assumes the troll <laughs> is evil. <laughs> And just fucking slices his arm off. Meanwhile, Matrix's like, no no no, 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 no. He's ours. He's on our side. Uh, and then this In- is where Larkspur becomes Sabatha. Yep. Which turns out is sort of a deception, which I mean, pretty smart. I thought that this was smart because it doesn't get revealed until many chapters later. Mm-hmm. But, like, to just change your personality and, like, act like you've forgotten everything and just be like, these dudes are too good. They won't do anything to me. Mm-hmm. Like, next level tactics. Yeah. Seriously Was though. I mad? Yes. Was and Saga mad? Which, yes. Yes. <laughs> even, like, I was thinking that, you know, like, yeah, at some point, like, she's going to come back. Like, she, you know, she's going to remember who she is and it's it's going to be a problem. But uh, sorry, this is kind of skipping ahead a little bit. But like once she has sex with Ganelon, it's kind of like, oh shit! Like no, like she's she's here. Like she's 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 for the boys. Uh, yeah. Plot twist: she was not for, for well, the boys. It's kind of compl- It's it's real complicated. It's yes, and she was for one dude. What? Yeah, one boy for one, one boy. One boy. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here you go, oh. listeners. This is for you. Number two. Hold on, let me get. Let me just get this right. Uh, oh, that was a good one. Yeah. We're getting much better at that. Fucking right. We're professionals. All I right. just want you to know that these are pints, not no normal Oh, dog, beer mine are too. Oh, God, we're... We're, <laughs> we're so in sync. We're... Uh, it's kind of sexy. Anyways. Yeah, uh, I'm really just practicing for this weekend. Oh, yeah. Listeners, <laughs> your boy... When I say your boy, not me. Your boy, Fleck, is getting married. He's tying the knot. He's he's doing the deed. He Well, that yes. kind of pertains to sex. They've already done the deed. But uh, <laughs> we're not, we're not like a Catholic couple. <laughs> <laughs> Thought they were into kids. Uh, anywho's, um, every sperm is sacred. <laughs> Did you ever listen to that Monty Python song? What? The- <laughs> it's like a skit where they have like a Catholic family and there's like a hundred kids, <laughs> and they're singing the song "Every Sperm Is Sacred." <laughs> Uh, I'll have to show it to you. My like eighth grade fucking ancient Civ teacher showed me that video. That's incredible. Yeah, he he was on his way out. I don't think he gave a fuck. Love it. Uh, I forget his name. No shout out for you, but just know that you were impactful. Yeah, hopefully you're totally listening to this podcast because we're fucking famous. Yeah, definitely. Um <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited about this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. I am worried for our livers, yeah, we'll and it's going to be great. But back to chapter 32. Yeah. So basically, we've determined, the saga has determined that Taino Taino is on the, yeah, audiobook, please come in, <laughs> uh, is on their side. And he's like, let's eat some food. He's got like a little hut. He puts little mushrooms on like on blackberry bushes. Yep. They glow when they get punctured. But pretty much everybody's just vibing. And then and they get high. They they get high. But before that, Tyna was like, I have beer. And then Matrick was the first to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the direct quote from the book is, and then when everyone saw he didn't die, we all joined in. 
which like honestly like if i was a part of saga and i saw maddie drink something and he didn't immediately die i would still be kind of hesitant because i'd be like like that man's liver is made out of fucking steel yeah it's gonna um, take it a while the dude has gout i don't think that was ever officially said but he definitely has well the man has gout diabetes yeah heart fit i mean the amount of times he's just wheezing yes it's a chronic (laughs) magic wheezing in the corner (laughs) unable to grab the other knife from his stomach Oh, God. Yeah, but we learned that uh, Tino is a little bit of a collector. You know, he's been getting treasures. He's got like a really a helmet, and Clay was like, "It was also a really cool helmet, to be honest." Which for Clay, Clay for Clay to say that is yeah, he says it twice, deal. twice, and he hates helmets. He fucking hates them. And then he was like, "I found an onyx and pearl tetra board," which <laughs> the way everybody talks about it is probably very expensive. Yep. And he ate them. Yep. And then everybody ends up getting high off a of troll peyote, mudweed. Yep. That becomes very important in, in a couple episodes. Yeah. But I just love how, like, they, like people a like a couple chapters. Because who all smokes it? Maddie smokes it and Moog. Sabatha and, and Clay. Moog, oh, Sabatha yeah, and Clay smoke it. Maddie doesn't? Or is Maddie already, like, passed out drunk? I thought, I think, yeah, I thought he did. Let me check. It doesn't really matter. But anyway, the point is, like, I, I love I, how. You Check. are in the heart wild. You are rescued, not rescued. You find a troll with your friends. You cut his arm off. He then He's says, like, don't right, worry about it. Come back to my hut. You want to smoke this shit? And they're like, yes. Maddie, Maddie did, in fact, take a hit. I'm sorry to interrupt. But you know, then they, they fucking take the hits, man. And it's a real bold strategy. Yeah, then he starts playing music. <laughs> starts playing drums. <laughs> and meanwhile Larkspur like finally connects with Clay and this was another weird thing at one point I was like I don't really think this is going to happen but are Clay and Larkspur going to be like like a relationship of sorts no uh, I would not like that but sort of like how he's like sort of like a father figure to Jane eventually I was thinking like something along those lines but uh, that doesn't happen I want to I'll, I'll bring this up later but remind me to talk about it because when uh, when Clay and Lark or Sabatha at this point are having this conversation kind of about Sabatha's backstory, it, this at this point it really started making me think about um, the theme of evil in this book and kind of how it's portrayed differently. But I want to talk about it when we uh, when we meet Shadow and kind of go into Lark uh, go into lastly. Oh, yeah, backstory. Shadow is fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to get there. We'll we'll get there. Don't you worry. So, well, you know, so I kind of clumped these next couple chapters together. Mm-hmm. But I think the really funny thing about these is that we meet Jeremy the Cannibal. <laughs> who, who's leading them back to their ship. Yep. But everybody's like kind of like, there's people following him. Like, this is a little weird, but I guess it's just a normal thing. And meanwhile, Moog's trying to like talk to them in their cannibal tongue. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it's not gonna go well. But this is where we meet like one of the first interesting, like nightmarish creatures in the Heartwild. Uh, and this is the insect man. And they're like, they're like, these things were known to give the uh, to do the opposite of whatever you were expecting. And they're like, what way to the ship? And he's like, or mm-hmm. not ship, but like wherever like- they're going. And he points to the left. Yeah. And they just immediately go to the right. Immediately go to the right. 
Yeah. Uh, and I thought that, that was that was hilarious. Then we get to the ship. Well, Larkspur's goons have set it on fire. Pitches. And to make matters worse, the cannibals are now attacking them. Which I just love how perfect that transition was of they're like, hey, we're being followed. And Moog's like, oh, no, like, they're fine. Like, they're just real territorial, you know? They just want to... They just want to make sure that we we get you know out of their territory fine without yeah. causing any problems, and then they immediately start attacking. <laughs> well, was it? I, I forget that this might not be the direct quote, but like Clay's like, it was great, and then I saw an arrow whiz by my face. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, this is where we meet Duke. Duke, Duke, who in my mind was like this super giant fucking cannibal guy. Yep. And meanwhile, Ganelon is fighting him. Everybody's doing that. And then they finally end up killing Duke. And it sounds so crazy because like, when we were reading this, I was like, oh, this is going to be huge. But now, after we've gotten through the whole fucking book, this is just like a stepping stone. Yeah. I mean, Ganelon, the motherfucker, even was like, I called dibs. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. That's cool. You know, I was like, they're not going to get past this. Like, this is pretty bad. Because the whole time, you know, I'm thinking, like, at least one of these motherfuckers has to die. Yep. And they don't. They make it out. Eventually, they're like Teresa. It's <laughs> like we we have a we have a truce. We need to we need you to come to the village. And everybody's like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah. Why is your name Teresa? And, and what it, you know, Moog is like, Moog. Well, that's the first person they kill and eat. They take their yeah. Name. It's like they uh, take their name. There's a lot of dudes with okay. female names. <laughs> and I was like, that's not alarming. That's yeah, that's fine. But so this is where we reach. The Mudweed Conclusion, Chapter mm-hmm. 36. Mm-hmm. They meet the chief, who is a very large woman. Yep. Who has skulls full of mudweed that she just keeps wafting. Moog, well, Moog the whole time is like enamored by her hand because he can tell that the rot that she did have on her hand wasn't affecting her. And <laughs> they make a trade because they were going to take Larkspur. Sabatha, and, and use her for for mating. Oh God! Yeah, and obviously Gabe was the only one like was like fuck it, yeah, let's go. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole band has been like Sabatha's been cool. We don't want to do that. Like, and that's kind of fucked that they just want to breed her. And so that's when our boy Moog, the ever so humble wizard, gave up his hat. R.I.P. to the R. chicken R. hat. And he was he complained. She's like, she's not even using it right. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like pulling out raw hunks of meat. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're just, just eating. eating it. Yeah. <laughs> and there was like the fit the someone bit the fish that wasn't even like scaled. And, yep. Uh she, she Chieftain is pleased. She ought to be mood grumbled. This walrus <laughs> gets free steak for life. And we get stuck with a stuck with a he trailed off absently smoothing his beard against the front of his robe. Clay placed a consoling hand on his shoulder. Anyway, so that's when he realizes that the mudweed is curing the rot. Cures the rot, And he baby. starts crying, you know, and he has his emotional mm-hmm. breakdown. Because, you know, like we, we hit in episode one, his husband died. And the man loved his husband. He did love his husband. How, did, how are you going to leave out our boy, our boys, Dade and Gregor? Man, we get, oh. this is where we get introduced to them. Yeah, they're the what? What are they again? They're the Etna. The, they're 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 Etten. Etten. So they're like a two-headed giant. That's how I got it, right? Yep. When one of them's blind. Yeah, that was. I thought that was like sad and funny all at the same time. 
it was it was so sad. Yeah, I mean funny. they're like wading through acidic swamps, and meanwhile his brother's like, "Oh, the flowers are so great." You know, it's like a man-eating flower. Yeah, the, the water's so clear and pretty as like a decapitated head just comes like <laughs> bubbling through. up. And uh, the whole time, like Clay's just keeps talking about it, and he's like, "Ah, this is so sad," but also like there's something special about this. I don't know. Maybe it made me it made me heartfelt. Yeah, and and I think it served, you know, obviously, um, right? Because which one's the blind one? Gregor's the blind one, right? No, it's Dane. Dane's Dane is the blind one. I think obviously Gregor is like describing, you know, this beautiful, fantastic world for for Dane, so he doesn't become depressed that like everything really sucks. So obviously yeah. that's for him. But I think it's also serving the purpose of like kind of lifting up the rest of the party of like just being able to listen to him speak these fantastical things and it kind of helps distract them from the horrors that they're having to walk through. Yes. And like the general gist of the heart wild being a nightmare, mm-hmm. they definitely have some spirits raised from him. And it's kind of sad because eventually the Etten is, I mean, basically part of the team. Like they're yeah, like, he goes yeah, wherever we go. Mm-hmm. And I think they realize that they've been saved and that they're on borrowed time. And then eventually we get to a scene where self-sacrifice occurs. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. But we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. The, uh, the funny thing about this, though, is that we learned more about Kit. Cause, so we made it out of the swamp. They've been escorted out. They now know Mudweek cures the rod. And they're on one of the old Druin, Old Dominion roads. And Kit... Starts talking about how he became a zombie. (laughs) And I wrote a couple notes, but one of them, uh, one of them, and I think the funniest was just like, Kit was entertaining. And I have like two quotation marks around it. (laughs) The Exarch's wife. Yep. And I just love how he's like, yep, I was uh, bitten by a peacock. (laughs) Yeah. Now, what? He's like, yeah, because so basically he was he was fucking her, and he has to escape through like a back entrance. And it's funny because we get to the peacock, which is like waiting for him at the end of the entrance. And I think that this is this is you know from the book, embarrassing. Even I was bitten by a peacock. <laughs> at this point, even Gabriel cocked his head with interest. Dane giggled and whispered something to his brother's ear. It sounded a lot like, what an idiot. (laughs) Kit then said, you see, I told you it was dumb. It wasn't really a peacock, but the keeper of the Exarch's personal menagerie mistook it for one, and so did I. See, I used to sneak into the palace at night and entertain Viagra's lovely wife. I would sing to her, play sweet music on my bating-ting, and quite often amuse her with a more personal instrument. Catch my meaning. (laughs) And then Matrix's like, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Let me, let me crack then, open a Miller Lite. like, I found this odd, coming from a man who'd been cuckolded on at least five <laughs> occasions that I knew of. And probably countless more. Oh, God. Uh, Kit went on. When her husband came calling, she would hurry me out a secret door that led to a private garden. And on such occasions, while skulking through the artificial trees of the fraudulent forest that crossed paths with the, and then I love how it's in quotations in the book. Peacock in question. <laughs> and he's like, 
Now, I should confess that I consumed a vast quantity of wine earlier that evening. It was, by this point in time, shit-faced drunk. <laughs> and in what turned out to be the very first two very bad ideas, I attempted to pet it, and it bit me. <laughs> and they're like, what was the second bad idea? I... It's like, going back. <laughs> Beat it to death by fucking bating tick. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> and just like when they were like they're like oh phoenixes aren't the ones that they're like when they die they like rise Come from back their away. ashes and he's like yeah this one kind of more so had the tendency of like exploding <laughs> from its ashes <laughs> just fucking lights everything on fire I thought it was hilarious and then because yeah, honestly yeah. like I kind of thought that I, I honestly thought that he was just born like that, you know, that maybe a, a revenant or a ghoul, you know, was just a, a race or a monster sector, you know, that's just kind of how it was. Yeah, but, that's kind of how I started. And thinking about, like, everyone in this book has, like, such a cool or deep fucking origin story. Like, you know, Clay has to kill his dad, and, you know, Gabe goes through all this shit, and Ganelon's life sucked, and Moose, you know, everyone's life kind of sucked, and that's why they're they're badasses. Yeah, I mean, all the backstories <laughs> are fucking kid got bit by a goddamn peacock, and now he's immortal. I know. The direct, the direct line from the book. I bashed that fucking bird to death with my favorite batting thing, which just so happened to have been a gift from the exarch himself. My satisfaction at doing so was short-lived. However, since the bird was not, after all, a peacock, it was a phoenix. A very, very old phoenix. I swear upon every eye of my tamarind. It looked nothing like you would expect. Unbelievable, said Luke. <laughs> Is the phoenix the one that rises out of the ashes? That's, that's the... Technically, yes. Although explode out of the ashes would be a more accurate description of this one's method of rebirth. Oh, God. She set the entire garden on fire and then soared off like a comet. I was forced to flee back through the secret door and into Fiagra's bedroom. Wow, said Magic. Now that's a story, Moog chirped. And what did Fiagra say when he told him, asked Sabatha? The exarch had lifted gray green fingers to the gash in his throat. He killed me, naturally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that that is probably my favorite side story and like whole thing. Yeah, no, Kit could have a spinoff. Oh yeah. Um, if Nicholas Ames, if you ever listen to this, because I'm gonna reach out to you to do an interview. Oh, he and would I know totally you do drink, fucking interviews for podcasts. He yeah. he drank beers with the boys. Yeah, he would. Um, maybe we go up to Canada and do it. I'll fucking go. We don't have Canada. that equipment, they, but they we'll got, figure it out. Yeah, fucking poutine. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, chapter thirty-seven, the Claw Broker. This is where things got pretty interesting. This is where we mm. learned a lot about the world, and this is where I think we start to realize just exactly how long Last Leaf has been planning this. Yeah. But this is also where Clay realizes he's like, I'm getting fucking old. My back hurts. My muscles hurt. I have a knifing pain in my left hip that is worming its way down his leg with every step. His boots were soaked, and he'd been unconsciously curling his toes as he walked, so they pained him as well. Getting old, Cooper, he thought to himself. But this is where we meet Shadow. Fucking Shadow. We also learn more about Lilith trying to kill Matrick, and Matrick being like, I mean, she's still my wife. So, at this point, because this is before Shadow comes in, at this point, we basically realize that Matrick actually loves her. 
Which is and, incredible at this point. The fact that uh, well, he, it just he knows cements, he's been cuckold for years and years and it years. It just cements his cuckold status. Yes. But also, like, they've had lives before all of them settled down. Uh, I don't think it bothers him that much. No. Because at the end of the day, he's like, dude, I, I'm not dying anymore. I wake up, I have pie, I have cake. <laughs> My kids are fucking dope. Because he does love the kids. He does love the kids. He's like, I even miss my fucking kids. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even mine. And then this is when Gabriel's like, she tried to kill you, Maddie. She's still trying, remember? And he's like, yeah, well, it's a little bit extreme, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, I should have been better. I should have done, I should have drunk less, eaten less, screwed around less. But, like, his kingdom is thriving. So it thriving. He's doing, he's doing the damn thing. Yeah, it just goes to show you that... Um, our minds are our worst enemies. <laughs> I can't say that. I can whispering <laughs> raspy voice. Raspy I'm voice. Batman. Batman. So chapter 37. Back to that. Yeah, anyway. Shadow comes out of nowhere and he does some weird fucking shit. He's like, Dossal on, friend. And Clay, who actually knows Druin, which I thought was a surprise, was like, No mm-hmm. Luso. Yep. Uh, which he pretty pretty much was thought it translated to "you're welcome," but or, mice also have meant cheesy bread. <laughs> Listen, if I was ever greeted with you know like cheesy bread, like hey, that works. Dude, that's probably better than a hello. You know what I'm saying? I know you miss it, but it was it wasn't Fox's Pizza. It was the it was, other one. It was, what was the other one? Henderson's cheesy bread. Yeah, if you're ever in Philippi, West Virginia, get some Henderson's cheesy bread. Mm. Also. If you're ever in Philippi, West Virginia, leave. <laughs> if you're also in Philippi, West Virginia, how the fuck did you get there? Why are you there? Leave. And so then, this is where we learn a lot about the world, actually, because Shadow, you know, besides being a scavenger, a claw broker, as he calls it, selling wares, he starts to tell us the story, you know, that basically all of the gods that the men pray to are actually druids. That was deep and druids born in a really fucked, fucked up, up way. way and then also that the autumn sun is our boy who we haven't talked about really lastly fucking lastly the heretic yep what we learn is that you know lastly's dad lost his mother so he made lastly's third sword and was like when it kills a druid brings back another one mm-hmm. and that create creates 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 <laughs> the Winter Queen, who is going to be a huge fucking deal. And then Bloody Rose. Oh, a thousand percent, thousand percent. And also, we learn about the keystones and the gateways from Shadow. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh, I thought all the keystones were destroyed." And he was like, "Technically, not all of them are are lost." Yeah. And he starts talking about um, lastly swords. So the first one, which we already kind of know, is Scorn. Basically, destruction, uh, incarnate, tamarant, which is necromancy, or, and then we have well, no, tamarant is the final sword. Sorry, yeah. I put them out of order. Uh, and that's the one that if Lastleaf kills a druin, will bring his mother back. And then there's madrigal, which is the singing blade. Now you totally did the audiobook. So how the fuck do you say that sword name? Oh, I, th- I think you nailed it. I think that oh. is about as close as we're going to get to. How we actually say that. Accuracy. Yep. Awesome. That's what you come to the podcast for, listeners. 
accuracy yep. and consistency. Accuracy. Well, I think I said it last time. Opinions. Uh, but this is where we learn that Shadow's walking stick staff is not a staff, but it's a scythe and a blade pearlescent. Yeah, and even the fact that, so obviously he was disguising that, and that he was like, he was distorting his own face to make him look kind of, I guess, less scary, for lack of better words. Yeah, but he's actually, because he uses ash magic. And I'm not going to fucking lie to you, this kind of opened up the whole world, because like our only magic really was Moog being like pulling things out of a sack <laughs> you know and like doing like weird knickknacks and stuff but it was like really cool learning that there's like all this other magic in there like actually um, like moog i love you brother but there's actually cool magic out there like people yeah intimidating magic with all that said i was like really pumped about shadow's character because clay's like so the scythe was worrying <laughs> possibly the wing of something the size of a horse but more troublesome still was shadow's other more unconventional bull weapon he loosed a breath that tore like a gale through the smoke above the fire it blew past gabriel and took on a form of its own the same shape and size as gabe himself and bearing a massive sword that looked solid enough as it arced towards gabe's head Thelcor came free of its sheath in a blur of starlit night dispelling the shade figure the moment the two blades met but the others aren't as lucky as having Velikor. And they actually have to fight their basically shadow smoke person. This is also funny because the Etten gets the sh- Moog's about ready to get hit. And they were like, oh, the easiest one of us is about to get hit. This is that be gets fine. fine. And then it's he the literally jumps Etten. out of the way and hits the Etten and makes a giant smoke monster. Who's just fucking chill and just trying to take a nap. Yeah, I mean, shout out to those guys. Those guys are the definition of unbothered. Yes. They're like, we were already going to be eaten by people. Like, one of us is blind. Yeah, we, you rescued us from cannibals. Like, we're from the heart wilds. We're chilling. Ooh, you, you didn't remind me. Let, me. let me let me talk about the theme of evil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think out. he does such a good job of portraying, because it's, it's almost like real life, you know, how, like, the line between good and evil is so thin. Because, yeah. yeah, we finally learned, Shadow finally tells us lastly his origin story, which is essentially his dad, yeah, created the necromancy blade and kept bringing his mother back. And he's like a spawn of that. And so lastly was trying to kill his dad so his mom could just fucking, you know, rest in peace and quit coming back. And so between that and, you know, Sabbath's backstory of, so obviously last week, Leaf becomes quote unquote evil. Sabbath's backstory about, Oh, yeah. Really mercilessly. And it, like these kids were like torturing her. And so she gets back at him. And then the villagers murder her parents. Yeah. You know, she becomes evil. But then you have Clay, who grew and up. And also, can we a, shout out real quick? Sabatha got revenge. Fucking right. She did. <laughs> yeah, she did. Uh, and then you have Clay, who grew up in this abusive home. Father was a deadbeat, a drunk, you know, was very harsh, beat his mom. And heard beat her to death. Beat her to death. Yeah, Clay heard him beat her to death, and then Clay killed him. But yet Clay, you know, managed to come out of things on you know the good side of things. Right? He's fighting the monsters. He's trying to make a difference. Whereas Lastleaf and Larkspur, you know, kind of came out of it on the evil side of things. They're like, "Fuck it! If people are going to hurt us, we're going to keep. We're going to right." So yeah, just just shout out to you, Nick, for accurately portraying kind of the real world, you know, how 
it's not yeah, that like the real world is they're crazy. evil just because they're evil. It's you know, you know, they've they've probably been been pretty fucked up. Yeah, and like the real world has been portray- portrayed in a fantasy world very well. Yes. And it is a thin line, and you know, that's that is a shame because literally like people can be up and then they're down and then they can never come back. It is really crazy. And I wrote for the chapter where we learned about Clay, I was like sad. This is sad as fuck. Yeah. I'm so sad. But, you know, he literally creates a different life for his daughter. And yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, mm-hmm. especially because he ends a cycle. And it, I think that that's sort of to backpack off what we said, like there's cycles. And that's yes. we don't really see the full ones, but we know that they've happened. Mm-hmm. And like this book is sort of in a way about breaking the cycles. It is. Yeah, that's a good point. And also in the same way, keeping the cycles. So yes. I think like he keeps that like thin line going. Mm hmm. Back to Shadow, I wasn't expecting this chapter to be like a boss fight, like a mini boss fight. I kind of was expecting Shadow to like join the party, be like, yeah, I fuck it. Because he's kind of like, ah, I fucking hate that last leaf, dude. Like, he's just stirring up trouble. Like, I can't sell shit anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you learn that that's like all a ruse. And he's like, I want fucking Velikor dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the other thing that I thought was hilarious is that no one wants to get between the two Ganelons. Oh yeah, they're they're like, let's all help each other, but uh but but Ganelon will be fine. We'll just, we'll just leave him alone. And doesn't it, don't they like go to help him and he like looks at him, he's like, I got this. Yeah, and then Clay's like, why the fuck didn't you do that <laughs> earlier? <laughs> he's like very confused. He's like, I'm like out of breath. Matrick's dying over there. Like Okay, so here here's a question I have for you. So obviously after, yeah, they, they run out to help Ganelon. Ganelon kills his own shadow, but then you hear Moog yelling at, uh, at Larkspur. Do you, and obviously this Larkspur is killing killing Shadow. Do you think it's at this point that Sabatha transitioned back into Larkspur? Or do you think she was never, um, like, was she never Sabatha? Like, was she playing them the oh, whole time? Shit. Or like, at what point did she truly transition back into being Larkspur. What do you think? I think she was I th- so here's the thing. I think she wants you to they want you to think that like this is the transition. But mm-hmm. she's I think been scheming. Like she is a player in on the bad side of things. I think she's been scheming the whole thing. Yeah, but I think, think this was when she was like, oh God, this is paying off really well. Yeah. So like you think that like she was smart she had the foresight to be like, ah, my wing is so fucked up that I can't actually yes. fight anybody. So I'm just and I think pretend. this was her being like, I actually like these dudes. And mm-hmm. so she like shows her actual self for a second. She ends up taking the scythe and killing Shadow. That's that's basically the unofficial like Larkspur is back. Yeah, and, and I am kind of disappointed in um in Saga at this point. Like y- y- you guys should have started being a little suspicious, right? Where she yeah, just like, like I'd have been like, oh fuck, that was weird. Yeah, she went she, from being really she, nice to just chopping the fucking dude's head decapitating off, decapitating Shadow, and then taking his um, his scythe and just not saying anything about it. <laughs> yeah, I I was like okay. Shadow, aka Larksburg weapon delivery man. Yep, <laughs> because that's what happens. I mean, she just fucking kills him, and for the, she does it like with her wing. She's like floating in the air, and. But fully back and then they're kind of like that was weird and then they're like alright let's go <laughs> <laughs> like you said it was this is definitely the moment where she's like unofficially back but I think she's been playing him the whole time 
However, what I think is happening is she's becoming friends with them unintentionally. Yes. And I kind of wish we got that perspective. I know like it's only clays really. I think if we were going to break off, I would have liked to have gotten her character. Also like she should totally have her own like solo story. Like that would probably be pretty good. Bro, there there are so many spinoffs that like yeah, Kit could have his own story, Sabatha could have her own story, even like a like a prequel, like a yeah, even of, a prequel would be cool. Of saga saga like when yeah, back in their heyday, yeah, 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 no, yeah. I, I the dude Nicholas Ames has created like a very good fucking universe. Um, it's kind of a pain because this is gonna be one of those when we're like sixty. There's gonna I feel like there's gonna be a bunch of books that we can read. <laughs> but like because yeah. he's new in our age like, at least we we'll have, have something to do wait yeah but so yeah so weapon delivery man what? i for a minute was very confused when shadow was saying he was the heathen but he wasn't really the heathen mm-hmm. and then this is where i think one of the funnier revelations happen clay is just like chilling on the road and he just is like yeah gabe and valerie were shitty parents <laughs> <laughs> and then he's just like yep we're good Yep. That's how I know I'm different than them. And then this is also where, like, Gabe, like, you know, he really comes to Clay and he looked up and he smiled, unburdened by the weight in his eyes. And this is where he gets rid of the rocks. Well, you, you just skipped over the whole him talking to Rose part. Oh, did I? Oh, yeah, shit, I did. Because Moog does the Ashen magic. Yeah. And he's able to talk to Rose. And I mean, well, you brought it up, you take it away. Yeah, I think I, I'd like to transition. I like how Ames transition because obviously, like the even before we ever really meet Rose, you know, Gabe's a wreck. Can't really talk about anything. He's really despondent. You know, just kind of hard to get along with. And then, kind of later in the story, when they use Mook's little orb, and he doesn't get to talk to Rose, but he just kind of sees cast or sees whatever Cassia. And, Castia, yeah, and how bad it is. And, you know, then that kind of advances his character arc a little bit more. He's a little bit more determined. He's a little bit less depressed. He's a little more focused. And then you get to this interaction where he actually gets to talk to her and is like, yeah, I'm coming for you. You know, she's like, who are you bringing? <laughs> and he's like, I got the band back together. And he was, she was like, wait, like, that's just it? Yeah, and then I like how like Clay has this little inside moment. He's like, I kind of wanted to say how we also had a zombie, a.k.a. a ghoul, uh, a two-headed Etten, but one of them is blind, <laughs> <laughs> and a, a Deva, but uh, it didn't seem like the right time. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, I, I don't know how I skipped that. It was kind of like nice knowing that there's a second book that centers around Rose, like noticing that mm-hmm. she is her own character. And mm. she's already being set apart from the rest. And don't we we learn about her like Boo thing, right? He's also a druid right now. It's not well, yeah. We don't we don't know that he's a druid at this point, and we're just kind of like assuming he's a Boo thing. True, true at true. this point, because she's kind of weird about it. I was kind of like surprised by this because when they killed Shadow, I was like, oh my god! Like everything that I think at this moment is that last leaf's like the last druid, the last druid. Mm-hmm. But he's really not, and I think there's probably other druids out there. Yeah. So then when this all gets confirmed, I was like, oh, shit, like that's probably going to be important. Yeah. But even like I like I think it establishes Rose's character a little bit when she's like, OK, like, like, seriously, dad, like, I appreciate what you're doing. I don't know how you got this far. Go but, like, home. Yeah, go home. Like, <laughs> go you're just going to die. There's no 
there's no point. And right, like she, you know, she does love Gabe. So we kind of get that. And we know that, you know, she's um, pragmatic. She understands that <laughs> the math doesn't add up and that six old dudes with back problems are probably not going ain't going to gonna, ain't gonna change the tide of war that much. And it was kind of a sad realization, but also at the same time, uh, for some reason, because Saga reacts oppositely to mostly everything that happens. They're like, we're fucking doing this. Mm-hmm. And even Clay, you know, he's like, we all knew what we were doing, and we all decided to keep going. And so they have this conversation. Clay gets rid of the stones. because I mean, Gabe gets rid of the stones because he's like, fuck it, we're saving her. Fuck that shit. Yeah, which is, that, that was deep as fuck when that yes. happened. They start to leave the heart wild. This is another one of those things where I, you know, have a little excerpt. Uh, they were nearing the edge of the forest, and the Denzians of the Heartwild said goodbye in their own special way. They were set upon by a gremlin war party whose only aim turned out to be stealing the silver buttons from Moog's robe. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, I just, it made me just think that Moog was back in his pajamas. Yes. Uh, but while this is happening, they hear the Dark Star sailing overhead. No one's concerned. Nope. We determined at some point in time that we need to go over the ice road. Yeah. However, there's something very important that are ha- that happens. <laughs> Owlbears. Owlbears. Now, I totally called them bugbears or bugbears <laughs> in the first episode. And I was looking back and I was like, God, that does not age well. <laughs> Bugger bears. bears. But it was just like funny because Mook's like, holy shit. Look at it. And they're like, no, we're talking about like the ice road that we're going to take or the mountain valley or the, the river we're going right. to walk through. And he's like, no, the owl bear. Then we immediately end the chapter and start the chapter with Mook being like, you guys didn't have to kill, kill her. <laughs> it's just absolutely heartbroken. And they're like, are you serious? <laughs> Yes, we did. She was charging us. Did you not see her? So this ends up one of the funniest pairings, I think. Um, <laughs> Moog takes her kids. Daddy Moog. Now is a proud air owlbear owner. Mother. Mother. And he's feeding them like bird. He's bird feeding them. <laughs> he's throwing a porridge into their mouth. Uh as and he, then the like, other wears thing, them as like a sash, and they're just like fighting each other. <laughs> yeah, carrying them around. Uh, it's amazing. And so after all this happens, they decide to take the ice road, which always takes a toll, which is important to know. Yeah. And it's at this point in time that everybody's knees are popping, clicking. <laughs> the band is fucking tired. Yep. And we also learn a little bit of backstory about the saga and we learned that Gabe was eventually targeted by assassins aka mm-hmm. uh, a bard that they had named Raksha who tried to seduce Gabe and then eventually tried to kill him yeah, bro, and it kind of sounds like all their bards sucked it does I think there were they all had motives yeah I thought it was funny when they're like they threw her overboard they're not good swimmers <laughs> uh, oh, but then God. so we make it into the ice cave um and Ganelon and Samatha <laughs> are playing whatever it was called, Tetra. Yeah. And basically chess. Yep. 
And everybody's like, all right, we're going to go to bed. And then Clay is like, wakes up in the middle of the night, like, fuck, there's a fight going on. <laughs> and it's not a fight at all. It's fucking Gabe and Sam. I mean, not Gabe, Ganelon and Samatha fucking, fucking. And can we uh, talk about like, like how violent would that sex be? Like, that's got to be, there's well, like it, rough sex. He and thought then it there's was a like, battle. <laughs> Clay was Ganelon like, was growling. Yeah, there's fighting going on. And then he's like, after all of it, you know, happens, he's like, I just heard, you know, Ganelon being like, you want to go again? Again. Again. And uh, they go again. Yeah, I I wrote my notes. I was like, um, Ganelon took a little bit more than her queen. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking right, he did. Uh, and And like... Like who's daddy in that? Is Ganelon daddy or is Sabatha taken? They're like, both. Is, they they is, take they give and take. Is Ganelon getting pegged in this or what, like what are what are we doing? Probably. I would say that they're like the Deadpool relationship in the first movie. Oh, that is a beautiful analogy there. Everything is on the table. Yes. Uh, the thing that I wrote that was like super important to me anyway in this point in the book was that even though that we're getting to the conclusion of the book, I mean we're 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 under a hundred pages here. There's still humor that yeah. is happening that seamlessly blends into all the action and stuff. Matrick rolled his ankle, like <laughs> going up the fucking the mountain, like, and somehow it's still just as funny as Matrick, you know, unable to pull his sword out. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's just funny. And by sword, I mean dagger. Um, and then the Rasks, which we mentioned earlier, they start to attack and. This is where it's also funny. Like, it's a serious scene. Like, this is them at the end. They're like, God, we're going to die. And Moog is horseshoeing Firewire <laughs> onto the Rasks. <laughs> like, it's like it's a game, a mini game. And meanwhile, they're on an ice bridge. Yeah, even, and even before he starts doing that, when, when Clay has one pen and he's like, Moog, how do I kill it? And Moog's like, I don't know. And Clay's <laughs> like, I'm being serious, Moog. And Moog's like, I am too. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no fucking clue, dude. Yeah, then, yeah. Like you said, just starts fucking yeeting firewire. Fire. <laughs> Using a little bit of alchemy. I, I was expecting like the bridge to fall. Um, to be honest, and I think that's how he wanted it set up. I could be wrong, but I feel like he yeah. wanted everybody to be like, "Oh, they're going to totally knock the bridge out." I mean, but that's that, not that, what that's fucking what, happens. That's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, what happens is that things do not go well. No. Matrick is getting checked, attacked by, like, the Rask chief. Yep. The Etnin goes to save him, and then Larkspur just comes out of nowhere. <sighs> that bitch. And when Clay was, like, gonna knock her out, um, she's like, don't. And he's like, you know what? I won't. We're friends. And then she chops his fucking hand off with Umbra. What a bitch. I know, I was so mad. And the Warskin, I think the Warskin ends up saving his life. Oh, a thousand percent saves his life. But he ends up falling off the mountain with a nub. Yep. He's really fucking cold. He's just running around, trying to use the last remaining bits of his life to save Matrick, because he sees the Dark Star on the horizon. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I think to note is that we start to learn about like, just like how hard it would be to be like, not in a band because he's like oh dodging God. the yeah. giants. He's like dodging all this stuff while he's like bleeding. Yeah. Can we talk and, about just like, again, the, the, the comedic relief 
of Clay Dodd trying to hide from the Giants and they're talking about freezing their balls off, whether it's literally. (laughs) It's literally like frozen ice (laughs) bridge. No, that was hilarious. I think I, I think I wrote that down. Oh yeah. Cause then he sees his ad was dead and he was like, Dane died as he lived with a great big, ugly smile on his face. We got it. That was like, I'm going to get flamed for this. Let's just all, Listeners, let's just fucking relax. Take a sip of your drink before I say this, okay? Take deep breath. This Etten's death was a lot sadder to me than Dobby dying in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, you're done. You're totally giving me a flame. But it was because it was like Clay's hearing him singing and he like he he goes over there. They're bringing the whole party level he, up like they're yeah. happy they're and he's like gregor's just sleeping you know he's oh dreaming. god yeah that was like so oh sad. god like and he's like oh i can feel his dreams and i was like oh my god and then I'm clay is cry. like will you tell me about him and, it's like, oh, and then god. clay's like happy from them because like they were sweet and it was yes. just like ah oh, god it was tough that was that was depressing it yeah was really and depressing. then he dies over the night yeah, that was sad. I you brought back memories I didn't wish I had. Really fucking sad. But yeah, this this one hurt more than Dobby. I'll agree with you. I'll back you up. Book leggers for life. Yeah, fucking right, baby. And then so I I did uh write a little quote from the book, and that was that his gaze snagged on something to the east, a pall of smoke against the blue white sky. A signal. My men will find me. Larkspur had promised him on the bridge. I'll make sure of that. So that's when Gabe, you know, starts running. He's he can't run anymore, and it's probably the saddest fight scene in the book because this is where Matrick is like prepared to die, produces a flask from God knows where, <laughs> and he's like, up until they were threatening Clay, he's like, no, dude, I'm going with them. Fuck, it. she wants me dead. She gets me dead. I'm gonna go. I'm tired. I've given up on this. And Clay's like, nah, like we can't do that, bro. Like we're in this. And then so then like, well, we gotta kill Clay. And then Maddie's like, fuck it, I'm here. Yep. Let's do this. And so they start killing people. And then this was sort of like a little far-fetched, but then their old pals come in, Vanguard. Yeah. I I thought this was a little too convenient. Yeah. I thought. This was the second moment where I was like, ah, yeah, yeah. But I did like how fucking Barrett was like, you boys need a ride. <laughs> you know what that makes me think of? Catch a ride. Catch a ride. Also, listeners, if you uh, haven't played Borderlands, You're fucking play Borderlands. Just bite the bullet. Get the game into your additions. Have a good time. We're not sponsored by Gearbox. <laughs> not yet, at least. That was I was like, fuck, we're just bringing Vanguard in like not, like it was nothing. But also, again, I think Ames really kind of cements the fact that like in individual, like looking at all the characters individually, they they don't particularly care a whole lot about themselves. No. But once you start threatening the other members of the party, it's fucking it's, it's game over. on. We it's game on. We, we throw on hands, baby. That is what matters at the end of the day. And again, like it, it is like it's that's kind of like how I imagine like my friendship like with you is like, hey, I can shit on Fleck and Fleck can shit on me. But you can't shit on Fleck because you don't know Fleck. Like, yeah, exactly. I'll kill you. Yeah, pretty much. And that is the important thing. 
And that's what like brings this whole book together yes. is that camaraderie. Somehow this camaraderie gets us to this point where Vanguard's back with Saga. They've just saved everybody. I have no idea how Larkspur hasn't died yet, but she's I know. kind of written off at this moment in time. Yep. And this is where they get the final plan, the final arc. And I don't know about you, but dude, I was fucking surprised by all this shit that happened. And oh yeah, it was built up like it didn't. It's not like it came out of nowhere. I just didn't expect it to be as fleshed out as it was. Uh, I thought it was going to be sort of like a fly by the seat of the pants job, which it was. It, it was, it very was. Ocean's esque. Yes. You know, Vanguard Saga, they're talking. They've convinced Vanguard to go with them. And, you know. Also, <laughs> so can we just down. talk about the fact that, like, basically Vanguard's only there because, like, Barrett's wife got kind of, like, tired of him. <laughs> yeah, they're like, go. <laughs> Fucking go. Just, just like, leave. Get out of here. Leave. Yeah. It was, honestly, it was hilarious. And then, so they're talking. There's a lot of, like, witty banner. And... They start talking about the dragon having the last keystone. And that's when Clay's like biting his lip. Here it comes, he thought. I have a plan, the wizard announced. <laughs> Peering down at the map over steepled fingered fingers. Laughter bubbled up in his throat and emerges a worrisome cackle. And let me tell you, friends, Gabe replied, It's risky. Moog glanced up, his eyes widened. <laughs> Verging on suicidal. Suicidal. Said. Uh, this is where one of my favorite lines of the book ends up coming out. So, suicidal is right, Ash muttered, <laughs> part of Vanguard. I can't believe we sent Maddie into a dragon's lair by <laughs> himself. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kit's like, I should have been the one to do it. I've little of the fear from a dragon. Which and is then a Gabriel very fair defends point. him. <laughs> and then this is where... Kit starts talking about the city Terragoth, and no one does a good basilisk egg anymore for brunch, <laughs> he remarks sadly. And Clay heard Ganelon mutter under his breath, What the fuck is a brunch? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, look, and then, listeners, the bootleggers, book proud love brunch. sponsors of brunch. Yeah, we do not. I brunch, want Ganelon's axe, but not his brunch attitude. Yes. The other thing that I, my second favorite line from this is that, so obviously some fucking creatures come out of the woodworks. They start going after, you know, they're going to alert last leaf. Everybody's very concerned. And they hear yelling from the dragon's lair, <laughs> <laughs> yelling some words. And Moog was like, but the words, Gabe, could you make out any of that? And Gabe's like, it sounded like, aren't the shrimp? Moog guessed? What the heck is he talking about? What shrimp? Clay starts to shrimp under his breath. Metric came bolting from the shadows between two columns. His legs were pumping furiously. He was cradling something against his chest that looked like a white stone. Start the ship! Start the ship! Start the ship! Start the fucking ship! Uh, also, uh, Ames, uh, negative one points for stealing the scene from Indiana Jones. That's all I'm saying. Yes, but also at the same time, hilarious. Dragon plus Just one. though. What does he want with shrimp? <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. And then the entire front of the shrine exploded outward. And boom, dragon. So I guess we got to talk about him. Akatung was guarding the keystone. 
And Akatung is the dragon the band ends up fighting previously, but was like, holy shit, we almost died. Wasn't that, wasn't the whole reason they fought Akatung previously was because of one of their bards, like one of their bards stole something. Yes. From Akatung. <laughs> yeah. So like they didn't even want to fight him. And so obviously Akatung is a very tough dragon. And if we learned anything, he's armored in jet black scales and bristling with enough horns and spines and spikes to hang every hat in the world. And what was more, he still looked fairly pissed. So he's chasing them down. And this is where we get to the hilarious scene where they need to get rid of the weight in the sky ship. And they start throwing out the furniture. They start throwing out everything. And this is where Ganelon looks at Piglet. And Piglet's like, no. And I just love how, like, Clay is like, at least he had the, the decency to, to look ashamed. <laughs> he thought about it. Yeah, he was like, that, it was hilarious. Also, we totally skipped this out. Um, because of Vanguard, Clay got his hand back. Oh yeah, we did. We did. Get, we we <laughs> listeners. We sorry about that. Don't don't fucking flame us. Okay, we're tipsy at this point. All right. At, at the end of this, we are not as um, to the script as we should be. But yeah, seriously, gets his hand cut off. And I love how casual. Sorry, we are backtracking now, but like, I love how casual that scene is. Is like, I'm oh, just like, this like, sucks. Like, yeah, and, and he's like, yeah, like I grow back in like a day. Like, yeah, where have you guys been? We don't lose limbs anymore. And all this chaos, which I don't think we can even give justice to, results into them dunking a legendary dragon into the ocean. <laughs> they basically get the keystone, they open up a threshold, a gateway to the city of Atlantis, and send Akatung to it. Just flying into it. And then, while all this is happening, and we got to really talk about it now, the war party is happening. Yeah. Which is... How would I say this? It's Coachella for the band. The that is, that is a beautiful analogy, especially yeah. since Coachella just happened. Yeah, boom, timely. That's what we are here at the Bookleggers. Timely. But so they open up, and we're, we're paraphrasing because I don't think we can really do justice for this final section. They open up the threshold, and Gabe is like trying to convince people. Clay's like, dude, just fucking talk to him. Gabe gives the pep talk speech of a lifetime. Oh Meanwhile, while all this is happening, Galon rips through the portal and just like kills a wiver. Just <laughs> and casually. it's like, nah, I'm good. And like it's walks a, back through. Rolls his neck, like cracks his neck a little bit. It goes back in. It goes back. And meanwhile, like so the screaming eagles are back involved, all the band names. Um we we learned so much about all the new bands and basically Gabe's like, yo, they talk shit about you guys and you guys want to be legends. Let's fucking go. Convinces them all in a speech that is absolutely amazing to go through the portal. And this yeah. is where things went off the fucking rails for me. I don't know how you feel. The, about uh, it. I just kind of want to backtrack to one of my favorite scenes. Uh, this is how I envisioned if this was a movie or a TV show. You know, they, they sent Akaton to Atlantis and then after they close it, they're like walking back through the streets and they're just, there's just a fucking merman <laughs> there. Yeah. Oh, just drowning. I guess. Just dr- well, drowning in air. I don't know what right. you would call that. Suffocating. Um, yeah. Suffocating. But I just love, like, in my head, this is how the scene goes, right? They're like fighting the dragon and the portal opens and then it, it 
immediately cuts to like the ocean and there's just yeah the smart man just like swimming just like minding his own business and this fucking dragon <laughs> just in the water shows up and he gets sucked through i love how they're like i hope akatung can swim <laughs> <laughs> and then i love how they bring it all back they're like we killed a fucking chimera a fucking dragon <laughs> like all in the yeah, you did, boys. yeah Oh, yeah, but we got to talk about our boy Mook. He gives Gabe a pine cone, which is like a loudspeaker, but like his voice comes from all the trees. Goddamn. That scene was so funny. They look, he's like a pine cone, and Mook's like, Do you really think in this serious like event, I would give you a pine cone? And Gabe just like looks <laughs> yeah. at him and he's like, Okay, fine. So it's a pine cone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special pine cone. <laughs> I, like seriously like i just love like like magic is always like so serious in all these books and in all these Luke's kind of just fantasy like, fucking, and luke's like here's a fucking pine cone you want me yeah. to throw some avocados at you i'm gonna throw some avocados at you yeah bring it on also i guess we didn't talk about it but kit is the whole reason why moog made the phallic uh what did he call it phallic potion phallic phyl- phylactery yeah phylactery that works incredibly well <laughs> I mean, he literally brought an undying man's dick back to life. Like, I mean, yeah, it's pretty impressive. The other thing that I wrote down about this was, I was like, I can't actually write down all these good names, but like all the names of the bands and like the people and stuff, I just thought it was hilarious. And can we like, talk about like how creative you have to be as Ames to be able to just like on the fly, just like with no introduction? Yeah, like on the fly, like no, that, like. Cool name, cool name, cool name, cool name, cool name. Yeah, no. And then to bring it all back, too, in the main fight, like, the blind tiger was killed by an arrow that he absolutely did not see coming. (laughs) (laughs) Like, too funny. And, yeah, we we had talked about it off podcast. Sorry, guys, sometimes we get a little excited and we have to talk to each other about the book before before we get on here. But the one character that Clay sees die three times... (laughs) It wasn't like Screaming Mary or whatever. It was just, it was great. The final battle was massive. And it finally made you realize, and we talked about it in the beginning of the show, but you realize just like how crazy the wild is. Because we start to learn about all these demons, all these things. Like there's like, uh, there's goblins riding the trees. There's like the ice <laughs> demon who has a whip that frees his thing and like a Final Fantasy sword. Which isn't that thing, it's called the Infernal, isn't it? Yeah, the, the Infernal. Infernal. That is a frozen yeah. giant. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the giants that are like wreaking havoc, just and, like, stepping on people. Yeah, and then it, everybody's like, "Oh my god, it's gonna fall!" And then it fell <laughs> backwards. I'm like, "Oh thank god!" Hey, hey! And in general, just I was not expecting the way the final battle played out. Yeah, and I do like. I think this kind of goes into the world building too, because Clay pointed out how you know, everything like there's so many monsters and they like, there's so many monsters that he hasn't even seen because no band, no mercenaries will go into the wild anymore Yeah, to fight them. So they've just been brooding for, for 20 years and growing. And he was like, what he says something along the lines of, I'm surprised there was anything left in the wild when we were walking through it. Uh, but this is where our favorite thing happens. The twinning staff. Um, Moog is holding his own. He's strapped with flammable, combustible throwing things. The last leaf is 
fighting both Gabe and Ganelon and holding his own. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get to see his swords going into play. He uses all three. Yep. He creates like a lava plume. He yeah, literally dope. is cutting air and yes. cuts, cuts Blackheart, Blackheart, which is supposed to Dick. be like basically impenetrable. Mm-hmm. And but also like kudos to Gabe because Gabe totally realizes that that is going to happen and, and kicks Clay out of the way. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we bring out the third sword. Ooh, yeah, and it turns out that it's like a shadowy blade. Gave me real Dark Rise vibes, to be honest. And Dark Rise vibes. You know, it's hard to see. It seems like Gabe's the only one that can see it. And meanwhile, while they're they're fighting, uh, Tamarant's you know being flung around. This is happening to Gabe and Ganelon. But what is happening to Clay is a much different final battle. <laughs> He's fighting some enraged fucking Minotaur, which is like a midget, evidently. They're just yeah, all... like a normal size Minotaur man. <laughs> but just because uh, war skin is red, it's just like, I'm going to fight this man. <laughs> and so like Gay- Clay is trying to help Gabe the whole time. And meanwhile, he's just having to fight a Minotaur that literally is just absolutely trying to ruin the fight and is like fucking it up. He gets caught in the lava. He is like beaten almost to death and still gets up. And in a way that was the most appropriate way to end the fight, because lastly seems to be like an immovable force almost. And mm-hmm. same with Gabe and Galon yeah. together. It's almost mm-hmm. like there was no way that there was going to be any conclusion. Surprise is the only thing that really <laughs> kills the final battle. And that is because clay somehow is able to maneuver the Minotaur to accidentally take out last leaf into the lava plume that he creates with wrath. And I think, I think aim saves himself there. Cause I think if you like, cause obviously it aims words it as clay saying that essentially like sometimes there's just, you just have bad fucking luck. Yeah. And that's how last leaf died. I think if he doesn't put that, that phrase in there, that context of Clay saying that it was pure luck that that happened. Yeah. I think that I would have been pissed. About I would have been so pissed. How that ended. Yeah. I would have been really pissed because Lastleaf and his cool helmet, which Clay comments on, uh, is a very formidable enemy. And the other thing that I kind of got mad about, and I, I kind of hinted at earlier, is that we don't really hear much of Lastleaf while they're in the Heartwild. Obviously, they have a, a whole new set of problems, and the book's not about him. But yeah, he, he kind of like fades into obscurity and then comes back. And I thought about it too because um, because I, I was upset about that too. Like, like I I really liked Last Leaf as a villain. Like, he's interesting. He has a cool yeah, backstory. He's a like, good villain. Yeah, you you kind of understand where he's coming from. You understand why he's doing what he's doing. But then, yeah, he just kind of disappears, and I'm like, what the fuck? But then you remember that, like, oh, he has no idea what Saga is doing. No, like, he has no idea that they're, that they're trying to go to Castia, that Gabe's daughter's in the city. He doesn't know. I mean, I... And and that was kind of annoying, because I think, like, Lastleaf actually would know. And I think he does put it together in a way, because at the end fight, he's like, I know why you're here, but I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, I know you fucking hate me, but, like, I'm not the reason you're here. Right. And so I will say that at the end of the book, that was something that I I, could have used more last leaf and, like, more planning, like, more diabolical planning 
Yeah. And like, what would have happened? Like, I could have used like a monologue of like what he was going to do. You know, like that probably would have made me pretty happy. I thought well, overall, to be fair, though, he he was trying to monologue, but Gabe kept <laughs> shut up. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, that did happen. I love how Clay was like, Gabe's really good at uh, making people piss. pissing people off. <laughs> pissing people off. And he's just like, fuck it, we're fighting. And they go in. And it was a twist. Uh, it, I wasn't expecting it. And I think that's like the gist of this book. That the whole thing is a twist on like the normal epic fantasy. Mm-hmm. I think my final verdict, I don't know about you, five out of five. Listeners, if you haven't read uh, Michael Sullivan's whole world yeah it's like 12 but it's probably more than 12 books i consider that as i just consider that as one book that is my all-time favorite you guys should go read that <laughs> this this might be number two this is oh, really top five for me yeah top probably top oh it's three. definitely top five for me it was I, such a refreshing it was, take yeah it was like yeah a fantasy book like i have never it was so funny you know it almost kind of uh, I don't want to say I'm going to get flamed again. Let's let's just let's just relax again, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna do just shush. <laughs> it's almost. Did you? I have you seen Thor Ragnarok the movie? Yeah, yeah. And how great that was. That movie was fucking hilarious. Yeah, and this kind of has that same vibe. Right, like it's a very serious movie. It's a very serious book, but it's funny just the whole way through. With even with in the great character moments. development. Yeah. And yeah, just just satire and Moog just kind of like existing. Yeah, no, I I think if you took Moog out, this book becomes very boring. Oh yeah, or if you even if you like replace him, if he was like a more quote unquote like stereotypical uh, serious mage, then the book is significantly more boring. Yeah, one hundred percent. So yeah, so real quick, so one of the questions I asked for you is your favorite character still the same? Because mine's changed surprisingly. I would say mine's changed to Clay. I would say Clay is my my favorite character now. Yeah, Clay is definitely my favorite now. It was Moog. Moog is now the close second. Originally, it was Moog being first, Clay close second, but now it is definitely Clay Moog. Because he likes it. Like I think of what when it cemented for me was you know Clay got his hand chopped off, got pushed off a bridge, fell you know hundreds of feet, broke all of his ribs, broke his arm. Watch the end die in the most depressing scene ever. And what's his first thought is I should go find Maddie. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he immediately goes to find Maddie. Like it's not like he doesn't even take like a day to like pout or even like he doesn't need to pout. Like he's very broken. Like he doesn't rest to try to, to try to heal himself or anything. He just goes straight to Maddie. And then the, um, the scene where, which I guess we haven't technically got to this chapter yet, but where um, where Rose has led the mercenaries out of the city oh, yeah. to start fighting the Horde. And uh, Gabe is trying to reach her. Clay finally hears Rose respond to Gabe. Oh, yeah. And he's like, he has that flashback to his daughter saying, you know, if it was me, Daddy, like, would you come and save me? And he was like, nothing would stop me. And he just fucking starts plowing through the imps or whatever Everybody. they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking imps. I don't know who invited them. Yeah, <laughs> they definitely seemed out of place when you have the infernal. <laughs> who brought you here? <laughs> yeah. 
No, and that is a good important thing, and that's where we we start to see that um, Rose and I forget what his name is. Um, we'll call him Moon Moon. Moon Moon. Uh, what is his name? No, let me look at it. Fuck. Uh, start fighting, and they're like they're fucking killing it, like Saga mm-hmm. would. And I think that that is pretty uh, telling for the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that we kind of just passed over is that at the end of all this fight, Lastleaf does crawl out of the lava. Bro. Uh, sort of like a Star Wars reference. He gets away. So Clay's like, I need to find this sword because this is going to be a problem. And Lastleaf has stabbed himself with Tamarant and has summoned the Winter Queen. That blew my fucking mind. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that to happen. So that totally sets up book two, Bloody Rose. Yes. And uh, fun fact, I have that book now. And <laughs> this cover is red. Uh, let me let me let me look up. That one is blue. The spine of the book is blue. Mm-hmm. Kings of the Wild is red. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that that kind of there's also a lot of fucking snow. So besides just the obligatory, like we're two for two on two great books. The characters we've we've highlighted it so many times, but they really are the heart of the story, and they're what draws you into reading. Like I never have been. This was a page turner. It's a five hundred page roughly page turner but you want to keep going oh yeah all the wit that they have and just how the characters interact with each other like matrix says very little but somehow is one of the funniest characters in the book yes and, and it's mostly just like his character building because he's out of shape just has a hilarious family situation yes it, it's just amazing so I'm truly curious about how the second book plays out. I mean, how do you take a story about old washed up Mercs and go into a new age? Were they even in it? Because looking at the title or looking at the, the oh cover, no, I don't think I don't think Saga like, is in it at all. Maybe Ganelon, maybe. Well, remember because we or not Ganelon, sorry, maybe yet. Gabe, maybe Gabe, because Gabe looks like in the cover. There's a guy that looks. I don't know. I don't think it's them. The crazy thing is in the epilogue, which we totally didn't talk about. Bro, um, that was, it was the sad. best ending and to amazing a book all ever. at the same time, right? Yeah, I know we just talked over each other. The listeners probably hate that. Yeah, they're fine. Um, the A is from Kit's point of view, which I thought was hilarious. Yes, and we learn about literally everything that happened to all of them. So Matric ends up being the king of Ka- emperor of Castia. Sorry, mm-hmm. put some respect on that. Arcandius Moog created the cure for Rod and he gave it away for free. Bro, that uh, part right there, that yeah. was Ames. Shout out to you, brother. Like that was like a such a huge shot of like pharmaceutical companies for like oh, cancer yeah. treatment and insulin and all that kind of bullshit. Like he was like, yeah, he just he fucking gave it away. He gave it away, and he never remarried. And then he named the miraculous potion Freddie's husband, finest curative cordial. Yeah. And the sad one, which is the one that I've been highlighting a lot, is that Ganelon made his way back to Grand Jewel, and at some point, he realized that he didn't belong in this world anymore. Which is pretty tough when you realize like all your friends are dying. And he ended up going back into the quarry and became a stone again. Which I kind of, I didn't really feel, fully understand that. Like, what was? Well, he said, "Wait, was the motive? Here. I know. Which 
in in terms of Larkspur, but we don't really ever hear what happens to Larkspur. Like she gets hit with the with the whip, she's frozen, she's fallen to the ground. Gabe tells Ganalon to like go get her, and Ganalon does, but we we yeah. don't know what happens after that. No, and then the problem is, you know, they go, alas, Ganelon was sadly unaware that his coupling with Larkspur had produced a son. So I don't think that she was going to be going to find the man. As for Gabe's story, it is invariably linked to that of his daughter, Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, their yeah. lives, along with those of her partner, Free Cloud. That's his fucking Free name. Cloud, there it is. Yeah, Moon Moon. Have been the subject <laughs> of numerous songs and stories. So I will spare you the details here. As Clay Cooper, two days after breaking the siege, he stepped through the portal to Kaladar and walked home from there. He was accompanied most of the way by Jane and the Silk Arrows and by Gabriel, with whom he said had set out for the Coverdale several months earlier. I was not present when Clay and Gabriel parted at last, but Jane claims it took place with the sun setting. She watched their silhouettes from a distance as they shared a few laughs, shed a few tears, and finally embraced. Clay Cooper responded with a shrug. I <laughs> know uh, the epilogue was perfect, and it really perfect. somehow you know he's making this trilogy, and each book is its own thing, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm totally excited about that. Uh, I love the book. Like I said, five out of five. I think the thing that I wish happened more in the book would be these fights be a little bit more fleshed out. However, and you can agree with me on this one, I think they were always ended cleverly. Yes. And most importantly, believably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have no fault at all. It was just the characters outshined the actual story. Anyway, that was Kings of the Wild. Five out of five, ten out of ten. Five out of five, ten out of ten, hundred out of hundred. Uh, Great ass. I'm so glad we read this book. And I don't think we're ever going to read a book similar to it no. in a way. It's going to be tough. Uh and now for the important discussion. What do we read next? So I sent I you I... a couple of things. However, yeah. I have a strong opinion. Oh, okay. So do I. This this could this could what be awkward listeners. This could be awkward opinion? that we read Shadow of the Gods. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm unanimous. We read Shadow of the Gods. Boom, done. Coming at you. Coming at you soon. So give us a look on Instagram. That's where we're the most active. And uh, keep on reading. And today we're diving diving right back in. We're going to edit that out. (laughs) <laughs> We're off to a great start, baby. <laughs> <laughs>